18 after 4 o'clock, we're talking about mental health this morning. How to cope when a loved one commits a suicide. And really, this has been a, a recurring discussion. Uh, recently, of course, we saw the death of Professor Bongani Mayosi. And even quite recently, just this past weekend, a Rhodes University student, Kinsani Maseko, committing suicide after she was allegedly raped on campus by another student. And since May, she had been battling depression and so really mental health in South Africa right now being very topical and we've got Tabang Laka, a clinical psychologist registered with the Health Professions Council of South Africa joining us for the second week on this particular topic. Tabang, thank you so much for being with us again. Yes, good morning Kanye and uh, to all the listeners. Thank you for joining us and we brought you back to continue on this discussion because, you know, as as, as more stories come forward, you know, the the, the real picture is, is becoming quite clear and we see that many people, many, many South Africans are suffering in silence and we realize that, you know, suicide is becoming a reality for, for some of those who are living with issues of uh, depression. Let's just also um, start by asking when a person commits a suicide, what are usually the the thoughts, the emotions that go around, you know, their loved ones at that time? Um, all sorts of emotions that you can imagine. People become shocked, people become angry, uh, people become confused, people become uh, deeply sad, uh, very frustrated, and, and so you, you get very intense emotions because sometimes it's very confusing uh the person was around and then they're not around and then this situation around. so the people can get very uh, very intense an array of emotions that it could be very intense mm. and also you know that there's feelings of uh, helplessness could i have done something is there a lot of guilt that perhaps wreck those that are known as suicide survivors the friends and family of individuals who have committed suicide Yes, so um, when somebody then has committed suicide, then they, you move into a process of grief that is accompanied by such feelings, uh, feelings of, I suppose, um, inappropriate guilt would be one of the the, the feelings that one would uh, feel, uh, just wishing as if you could have done something. People would tend to blame themselves, um, thinking, I should have seen the signs, mm-hmm. I should have really spoken to the person, perhaps I'm a bad sibling or parent or lover, how could I have not seen this? Uh, especially those who also help people for a living, they tend to struggle more because they feel as if they would have, they should have seen it coming. Uh, so people do generally feel uh, guilty um, and, and struggle with those kind of feelings as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And basically, you know, how let, let's just talk about, you know, how to cope perhaps in those first few um, days or hours. I mean, we, we're dealing with issues of guilt that we've just, you know, go, gone through. But perhaps, you know, at the time, you know, when, when you're dealing with it, you know, how, how do you then as a family or as friends, you know, not allow yourself to really get caught up in the fact that you could have done something, but perhaps also accept that this may have been something that the person wanted for themselves as pe- as painful as it may be for you um so let's use the word there acceptance so um usually these these shock um and so one of the things that would then help people deal with what is happening is that people accept what has happened to say as terrible as it is this thing has happened um 
and usually then what, what would follow then is just to also accept then the feelings that have come with what has happened. You accept the, the situation and accept the feelings that come. So the anger, the disappointment, the confusion, the hopelessness, you accept those. And then to also now try and focus on, uh, because now you're trying to also plan for funerals and this thing, so the logistical things. And also resisting the temptation to fight with one another because that's one of the things that also happens is uh, sometimes blaming. Uh, so also to just remember that, that this has happened and then let's accept the emotions and then let's plan. And then with time, uh, you'd have to, um, I suppose, decide now how you you want to respond to the situation, how you can talk about what has happened, what went wrong, how else could you have approached the situation, and you can process the emotions in that way. Um, so those are, I would say, in the early stages, that could be some of the things that people would be able to do. Mm. And in terms of, um, you know, understanding the why how do you get past that point because we spoke about the guilt we spoke about could i have done something you know differently but i remember once interviewing the mother of a child that had committed Mm. suicide and she said that you know the question that killed her the most or though that got to her the most is is the why you know why didn't Mm. you fight why why didn't you say something why didn't you talk to me why 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 you know and she said that's probably the one question that really you know set her back in her healing more than anything not being able to get answers to those questions Yes, in fact, what you ask is a very important question because when you sit with grieving people, that's one of the questions they would ask. Uh, uh, and the one thing to remember is that you know there are some answers that cannot be. Uh, there are some questions that cannot be answered because even if, if somebody says I committed suicide, or if you got the answer that the person committed suicide because perhaps they were sexually abused or because they were struggling with depression, people generally think, but. I mean, what you're, what that reason is it good enough? So one never really finds a good enough reason why somebody would commit suicide. So to first accept that that uh, there are some questions that cannot be answered, and two, it's a it's a natural question that people ask. Um, and so so when we ask that question, we should also just look at also the the larger context. And sometimes people because they would have left maybe a note. Um, and sometimes before people commit suicide, there are things they would have done before. Uh, they would have expressed things like, you know, um, even if I just rest, life is a bit hard, and I, said, I think I just need to rest. They would have mentioned something to somebody in most of the cases. So it, leading up to the suicide itself, there would have been some sort of sign. So people can also struggle to say, but how could I have missed that? Mm. But the way we are so busy and are not really attentive to one another. We might miss uh, people who are struggling. I'd like to know more about, you know, the grieving process. You know, you spoke about acceptance, but I know that there are a few stages that, you know, a person goes through. And for somebody today that's dealing with a loved one, and I've had family members commit suicide and colleagues around me. And, you know, for others, it's, 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 it's easier to move forward. Well, easier in inverted commas, but for others, more difficult, you know, without the proper understanding of my emotions, that it's normal for me to feel this way and these are some of the stages that I'll probably pass through before I get to the stage of acceptance. 
Okay, so uh, what you are actually referring to were the stages introduced by a lady, a psychiatrist, a Swedish psychiatrist named Hubla Ross, and she uh, was explaining she was studying people who were dying. And uh, so they would go through first the stage of denial, there's anger, then there's depression, uh, which goes with inappropriate guilt, and there's bargaining, and then eventually when people accept. However, when, when they do a bit more research, they see people generally four stages really help or what would help people cope. One is accepting the loss. Um, so two is then allowing all those feelings that we talked about to um, occur. Three is then starting to actually plan a life without the person. It's a, it's a task that one would have to do to say this has happened and this is what we need to do. And then fourthly, it would be how do we establish the person's legacy? So instead of just remembering them the fact that they passed away to understand that but this person has lived a full life, a colorful life, and then to also highlight the other parts of their life. Most people take about six months to adjust, yeah. uh, but you never forget that a person has passed away. You just learn to cope with the passing better. Yeah. And so, but also you might feel a bit down during the anniversary uh, of the passing or the person's birthday or when you're reminded by perhaps another person or an incident uh, or when you're wanting to celebrate something you remember this person not around but most people then just take about six months to adjust and then just get better at coping with the emotions. Mm. And uh, before we let you go also, uh, Tabang, let's talk about, you know, what, what uh, loved ones or parents, family can do in terms of starting to see um, suicidal signs, you know, while they're still, you know, on their way before the person actually commits suicide. Is there a way that we can look out, you know, for signs to say if you see a change in behavior or this or that, you know, maybe perhaps step in? Yes. So suicide usually uh, is accompanied with depression. So usually people who want to commit suicide are people who have been depressed before. And suicide is actually an option. It's almost like a, uh, like the general comment people say, it's like a permanent solution to a temporary problem. So when a person, if you know a person, you start seeing that they've changed. They're not the same person that you know. Uh, you're starting to talk about resting or leaving or quitting on life. Uh, so they'll, they'll go through a process where they are ideating, so talking about suicide. And then especially if you probe a little bit further, if, pers- if a person has a specific plan, like, uh, you know, uh, I'll commit suicide when, like maybe on a Tuesday because I'll be by myself, what would you do? I'll probably get this rope or take this poison. Or The more specific the plan is, then we start getting worried. And the more when the person starts, uh, verbalizing the things they want to do or just, just generally withdrawing from life, withdrawing from the person that we really understand. When we start seeing those things, uh, then we, we need to uh, respond in an appropriate way because then the person is actually in the active mode of planning um, a suicide. Thank you so much uh, for joining us, Tabang. And let me also ask you, does family therapy also help in cases like this? Yes, because people grieve in different ways. And sometimes one common thing that would happen is that sometimes if a child is passed away, people tend to even divorce or family separate. Uh, but when you're sitting with somebody and who's able to help you process the different emotions, because the one person would want to talk about the other the person, the others don't want to. The other ones are blaming each other. But if you're sitting with somebody who's helping you all process to make sense and then to, to chart a course 
uh, ahead, uh, I, I tend to find that people then adjust a bit better. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. And you always give us good, you know, advice in terms of, you know, how to deal with such emotional uh, issues. And, 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 of course, mental health being the focus of what we're talking about today. And do remember that if you are in a situation where you are thinking about taking your life before, you know, you, you do it, you know, there is there is help out there. There is uh, a place that you can go to. There's the South African Depression and Anxiety Group that is out there. They can uh, speak to you. They can listen to you. They do have qualified counselors. And if you do have access to a pastor or somebody that you trust, you know, that I think the most important thing is for you to know that the emotions and the feelings and everything you're going through right now is not permanent. You know, like our psychologist just said, do not take a permanent decision to a temporary uh, situation and we do want to say to you this morning if you are up and you are feeling like there is no longer any purpose to life and that you just want to give it up I just want to encourage you this morning and say to you don't do it you know there is still life ahead of you what you're going through will not last uh, forever it's just about connecting with the right people that can help you to to walk with you to take your hand to go through this difficult uh, journey and may it be well with you this morning. 29 before 5 o'clock. Stay with us right here on SAFM.